Dear Heavenly Father, again, we come to you and ask that you be with us. And we're going to look at a lot of the Bible and spirit of prophecy and that we believe the Holy Spirit inspired the writers to write. And we ask for that same Holy Spirit to open our eyes and minds and help us to not be distracted, but to focus over the next hour on these topics so that we can be settled into the truth and not be moved. In your name I pray, amen. Okay, and it's again a privilege to be here. And this is, like I said earlier, a message that I gave about five years ago in Greenville. And I guess I was convicted. So in my own personal life, I've had uh, quite a epiphany, if, if, if you want to say that, over the last 10 years. And the health message was one of them. And I didn't, I'd always heard of the health message, and I'm a fourth generation Seventh-day Adventist. And yet I was questioning, okay, why is this so important? And what purpose does the health message have other than, and now, of course, I'm going to bring it home because we've heard over and over today that the health message is to break down the barriers, right? Which is what you know when you go on mission trips and help in amen clinics and things. It breaks down barriers. Is that it? Is there something else that the health message is why it's important in the last days, especially for God's people, and does it demonstrate anything else? And I'm going to try to suggest to you today that it does, and that it not only breaks down barriers, but it is a powerful, powerful way to demonstrate the power of God. So, let's get started. This comes from Revelation 3, 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, I write, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. This is our pathetic condition. And we don't know it. And you say, well, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to talk about medical evangelism and health evangelism today. And to which I would say, but you, we are. And you'll see why. So look at verse 21 here. It says, to he who overcomes. Right here. Actually, Revelation 14. This is continued. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. Here it is. To him that overcomes, him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has, a le he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So my question to you is, he who overcomes, he who overcomes what? 
What do you think that that's talking about? Is it who overcomes cheese? Overcomes ice cream, jewelry? You, yeah, yeah. All right, so the answers are definitely coming. And uh, so I would suggest it's talking about overcoming Satan in the form of ourselves. So it's really overcoming self. After all, Satan's lie to Eve was that her way was the best way, right? And that, you know, God told you that, but did God really tell you that? You know, aren't you smart enough to kind of, don't you want to know this for yourself? And so as she starts thinking about this, she decides, yeah, okay. And it, it was her own follow your heart, okay? Have you heard some of these? Um, do what you want to do. Do what thou wilt. Just do it. So that was his lie to Eve. He was claiming that God wanted all of the knowledge for himself. So Satan lied to the angels and tricked them with the same thing. In his lie to the angels in heaven, which he tricked, you know, a third of them, he says, we're good enough. In and of ourselves, we were created holy beings. We're, we're good enough to know what's, how to manage ourselves. And we should be able to do what we want to do. And we can choose our own way. So Satan's theology in the world is do what thou wilt. Aleister Crowley, it, which is uh, you know on the Beatles albums and things like that, and he wanted to be the most wicked man in the universe. That was his slogan. And you know, you've seen the Jay-Z with the do what thou wilt on his t-shirt, maybe. And he gets that from Aleister Crowley. Frank Sinatra, Church of Satan, says that epitomizes our theology more than any other song out there is I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. So that right there is Satan's theology. Disney, follow your heart. It doesn't say, Disney's slogan isn't follow the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. Follow, do what you want to do. This is the lie that Satan is telling us. Okay? But we have a message to the world in the very last days that says God's way, by the way, is the best way in everything. And we have to get that message that God's way is the best way to the world. And how are we going to do this? So if I'm trying to convince you of something, how am I going to convince you that your way, because we all think we're right, okay? What, how, how am I going to convince you that, that put your way aside, what the Bible says is humbling ourselves, and follow what I tell you to do. So now we've got this great controversy in heaven. And this question is what started it. In heaven, it, was, it, was it God's way or Satan subtly, you know, starts blaming God for 
different attitudes and things like that that he himself was the instigator of. So this overcoming is overcoming ourself in our own attitudes. We are nearing the, this comes from three selected messages, 422. We are nearing the close of this earth's history when two parties alone can exist. And every man, woman, and child will be in one of these armies. Jesus will be the general of one army. And the opposing army, Satan will be the leader. I have no idea why the, it's flickering like that. All who are breaking and teaching others to break the law of God, the foundation of his government in heaven and on earth, are marshaled under one superior chief who directs them in opposition to the government of God. So what's the government of God based on in heaven? What's it say? The law of God. All who are breaking and teaching others to break. Let me see if I can get this. Okay, right here. So all who are breaking and teaching others to break the law of God. Okay, so it comes, so the law of God is what distinguishes this group from this group. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So, uh, and the angels which are kept not, oh, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, according to Jude, Jude 6 are rebels against the law of God. And she says, the enemies to, to all who love and obey his commandments. These subjects, with Satan as their leader, will gather others in their ranks through every possible means to strengthen his forces and urge his claims. And he did that by capturing Eve and everybody else since Eve. So in a special sense, Seventh-day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them has been entrusted the last warning for a perishing world. On them is shining wonderful light from the Word of God. They have been given a work of the most solemn import, the proclamation of the first, second, and third angel's messages. There is no other work of so great importance. They are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. Wow. So, Lord, forgive us for all of our wasted time. So we're going to carry this last warning to the world. Are we doing it? Are we effective in doing it? To me, this is a, a humbling and sobering thought. I can't believe God would leave this job to us. But he has. And Satan doesn't like it. Because Satan says, look at Brad. Look at John, whoever, you're going to, he is going to represent you. Look at, look at all of his problems. And, and God says, that's how I'm going to work. And so I have a solemn responsibility then because now I'm representing God to not only the world, but to all the unfallen worlds and the angels that are looking at me. And so, when you are reminded of that in whatever you do during the day, if you can think of that, you will act differently 
I promise you, because when I start thinking about that, I'm like, oh, why am I sitting here watching this? This is a waste of time. I need to at least go and read my Bible or something. You know, I, I just, I, I, I waste time. And, um, and sometimes it's not wasting time in the world's eyes. It's I've got to do office work. I've got to close these charts. I've got whatever. I mean, good things. You know, you've heard of pastors that serve the Lord, and then they, they lose their connection with the Lord of the work. And we don't want to be in that category either. This is 3SM423, selected messages 423. Through his deception and delusion, Satan would, if possible, deceive who? The very elect. He is no, his is no minor deception. What she's trying to say is that he knows what to do to trick you. He will seek to annoy you, to harass you, to falsify, accuse you, and misrepresent all whom he can compel to give him honor and him help in his work. His great success lies in, number one, keeping men's minds confused, and two, ignorant of his devices, for then he can lead the unwary, as it were, blindfolded. So the two ways he gets to us, according to Ellen White, is keeping our minds confused and keeping us ignorant of his devices, okay? So let me just throw some things that are coming to my mind here. Keeping our minds confused. How many times have you seen in the research a study that proved this, and then six months later, the proved the exact opposite in the next study. And then this one proved this one again, and this one proved this side again. And you're like, okay, which, which, which one is right? Okay? I believe that this is designed by Satan purposefully because we have lots of studies that support the Adventist health message. Tons and tons of studies. Just in eye care with macular degeneration, glaucoma, and cataracts, You've seen the studies on those now, all the nutritional studies and all that kind of stuff. It basically is the Adventist health message. And so we've got, but then there's other studies that come out and, and say, oh, well, this, this is shown not to be helpful, okay? So Satan comes up with devices like that so that we are confused. The second is being, number two, ignorant of his devices. But let's, uh, yeah, I think it's the cable. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Um, so I'm just going to read this, so listen up. Okay, so Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember, Satan wants to trick your mind. So God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know the will of God, 
Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50 says, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Thank you. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. So what was it that she had? Pride, fullness of food, idleness, and didn't help the poor and the needy. Yes, overeating can affect your salvation. When we are full, we are more likely to deny God, according to the Bible. And we don't sense our need of him. Listen to what Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said. Two things, Proverbs 37 to 9. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you. Okay? And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal. Both of which would be breaking the Ten Commandments, right? Philippians 3, 18 and 19 says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you everything, I tell you even in, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. This isn't describing the, the remnant of Revelation. It's, it's describing the wicked. The health message helps to guard us against denying God. It helps us to keep the commandments of God and not have any other gods before me. Well, let's go back. These two, these two uh, ways, number one is keeping the minds confused. That's not good, but that is why so... That is, that's, but that's not... Uh, keeping minds confused. That's not good, but why is that so bad in the last days? Why do people need our health message now more than ever? So, in other words, why is it more important now than it was before? Romans answers this a little bit. It says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This is, this is a text that I use often. And I use this in my conversations with people about the law of God and the health message. Do you realize, is this found in the Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. And it says, serve the law of God that was nailed to the cross? No. So, this is a, with this text right here, you can obviously, there's some law that's still pertinent in the New Testament. Okay? This is your text for that. Because, with the with my mind i serve the law of god okay it's not talking about the levitical laws in the sanctuary laws and all that it's talking obviously about the 10 commandments but with the flesh the law of sin the main reason that god gave us the health message to his people is so that we can better serve the law of god what is going to be the issue in the last days, the very last issue is the Sabbath. It's the law of God. And, and so, 
the pivotal issue is obedience to God's law versus man's law. So let's talk about obedience. Obedience is not legalism. You know the difference. So some people say, oh, those Seventh-day Adventists, they're legalistic. They still have to follow those Ten Commandments. Obedience is not legalism. Legalism is when you think what you do is what's going to save you. Obedience is just to obey a God because that's what He said to do and you love God. And by the way, you know because of other things in your experience that God's way is the best way. And so maybe it would be best for me not to commit adultery. Maybe it would protect me from a lot of suffering and heartache. Okay, Maybe the Sabbath is better physiologically for my body and my mind and emotionally and all that. Maybe God knows what He's talking about. Okay, And so th- that's part of that. Uh, Desire of Ages, page 101. The appetites and passions must be held in subjection to the higher powers of the mind. This self-discipline is essential to the mental strength and spiritual insight, which will enable us to understand and to practice the sacred truths of God's Word. For this reason, temperance finds its place in the work of preparation for Christ's second coming. So there is a place for this, for to prepare us for the second coming. It's that mental strength and spiritual eyesight. Education, page 195. Since the mind and the soul find expression through the body, both mental and spiritual vigor are in great degree dependent upon physical strength and activity. Whatever promotes physical health promotes the development of a strong mind and well-balanced character. Without health, no one can as distinctly understand or as completely fulfill his obligations to himself to his fellow beings, or to his creator. Therefore, the health should be as faithfully guarded as the character. A knowledge of physiology and hygiene should be the basis of all educational effort. So whatever promotes physical health promotes the development of a strong mind. Different people have different capacities of receiving the Holy Spirit. And part of that is because of the ability of their mind and how much they have developed it and you're supposed to develop this just like you are supposed to develop a well-balanced character. And, and God is, of course, the one that, that is going to help us do, do these things. Um, Mark Finley says, Satan wants to control our minds through our bodies. Jesus longs to control our bodies through our minds. There's a difference. The opposite. True religion and the laws of health. This is coming from Councils on Health 445. True religion and the laws of health go hand in hand. It is impossible to work for the salvation of men and women without presenting to them the need of breaking away from sinful gratifications which destroy the health, debase the soul, and prevent divine truth from impressing the mind. Men and women must be taught to take a careful review of every habit and every practice, and at once put away those things that can cause an unhealthy condition of the body, and thus cast a dark shadow over the mind. 
Are you starting to see a little bit why the health message and why now? Do you know how many people are addicted to video games and TV and movies and all of the things that distract our minds? Those who act, uh, this is reference CME, page 32. Those who act as teachers are to be intelligent in regard to disease and its causes, understanding that every action of the human agent should be in perfect harmony with the laws of life. The light God has given on health reform is for our salvation and the salvation of the world. So if you've ever been tempted to think, ah, oh, the Adventist health message, this is so crazy. It, this is not a salvific issue. I will tell you that wake up, okay? Anything that affects your mind is a salvific issue. It doesn't mean you're saved by this. So if you don't eat cheese or you avoid MSG or GMOs or whatever the thing, that's not going to save you. But if you don't, then it's going to be one more thing that Satan can use to weaken your mind, weaken your system. So no, it's, you're not saved by this. That's crazy. But to say it's not a salvific issue is ridiculous. As a people, nine testimonies, 112. As a people, we have been given the work of making known the principles of health reform. There are some who think that the question of diet is not of sufficient importance to be included in their evangelistic work. But such make a great mistake. God's work declares, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. The subject of temperance in all its bearings has an important place in the work of salvation. Are you starting to see, again, why it's so important? The number two aspect of Satan's success lies in the ignorant of his devices. This comes from letter 1, 1875, Evangelism, also page 515. When you make the people intelligent concerning the principles on health reform, of health reform, you do much to prepare the way for the introduction of present truth. Said my guide, educate educate, educate. The mind must be enlightened, for the understanding of the people is darkened. Satan can find access to the soul through perverted appetite. Through perverted appetite is how he finds access to the soul, to debase and destroy it. To prepare the minds is like fertilizing a garden, so when it is watered, it has the elements needed to sprout forth. Preparing the minds of people with good nutrition literally fertilizes the mind to be able to comprehend spiritual matters. Runners take extreme measures to prepare for a race, not only in physical training but in their diet, because they know that what they eat or don't eat will affect their performance. Every one of us needs to prepare for the spiritual race we are facing in these last days. We need this message not only for our, we need this message not only for ourselves, but we need to share it with everyone within our sphere of influence. So how are we to do this? 
And she says, and you've heard this, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men is one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them and ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade, me, bade them follow me. Ministry of Healing, page 143. <coughs> Excuse me. Gospel Workers, page 363. There is need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing, more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved, the sick cared for, the sorrowing and the bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, and the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. He has appointed... He has appointed out the work devolving on every church member. He declares that the church members are faithfully to do their duty to those within their borders. They are generously to support their own poor. He is the greatest, he is the greatest medical missionary who ever blessed the world. Speaking of Jesus, he gave his disciples practical lessons, teaching them how to work in such a way that souls would be made glad in the truth. It is only by an unselfish interest in those in need of help, that we can give a practical demonstration of the truths of the gospel. God calls for thousands to work for him, not by preaching to those who know the truth. Now listen to this. God calls for thousands to work for him, not by preaching to those who know the truth, going over and over the same ground, but by warning those who have never heard the last messages of mercy. The Lord will give you success in this work. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation when it is interwoven with the practical life, when it is lived and practiced, the union of Christ-like work for the body and Christ-like work for the soul is the true interpretation of the gospel. Review and Herald, March 4, 1902. Okay, so what have we learned? The three angels' messages, which, care, which carries the everlasting gospel, is incomplete without the health message. Number two, we and the world need God's law of health to better serve and worship God and to keep his moral law with our minds by our choices. Number three, following all of God's laws, including the laws of health. Now, I'm not talking about the Levitical laws and things. I'm talking about all the Ten Commandment laws including the laws of health, is the only way to true peace, true happiness, and less suffering. This interest by God in our well-being and its results, if followed, shows almost immediately God's love for man in a real, tangible way. Peace that passeth understanding and good health and less suffering. And number four, the health message demonstrates the power of the gospel. Let's talk a little bit more about that. The thing that took me so long to learn is that when we try to change the desires and wants of our hearts without God's help, we will be one frustrated Christian. So if you're stubborn, you might be able to stop gossiping. You might be able to stop whatever it is, whatever you want to pick, pornography, drinking alcohol, smoking, a little while. But chances are, you'll be back to that at some point, okay? The 
power of God that that we are supposed to share with the world is what truly you need to have your patients connect to. And if if you can do that, then they can actually see a change that's a change of the wants and desires. So the, so here here's what Ellen White says about this right here. It is as truly a sin to violate the laws of our being as it is to break the Ten Commandments. To do either is to break God's laws. Those who transgress the law of God and their physical organism will be inclined to violate the law of God spoken from Mount Sinai. Our Savior warned his disciples that just prior to his second coming, a state of things would exist very similar to that which, he prece- which preceded the flood. Eating and drinking would be carried to excess and the world would be given up to pleasure. This state of things does exist at the present time. This is Councils and Diets Food, page 17. This was written over 100 years ago. What would she say today? Does this exist today? To keep the body in a healthy condition in order that all parts of the living machinery may act harmoniously should be the study of our life. The children of God cannot glorify him with sickly bodies or dwarfed minds. Those who indulge in any species of intemperance, whether in eating or drinking, waste their physical energies and weaken moral power. Since the laws of nature are the laws of God, it is plainly our duty to give these laws careful study. We should study the requirements in regard to our own bodies and conform to them. Ignorance in these things is sin. So this is pretty powerful. And we have no excuse to be ignorant because we're just choosing not to pick up the book that happens to speak to us. So if you ever read Councils on Diets and Foods, like I have, part most of it, it really is hard because it convicts me of everything I'm doing wrong. And it's not that following her advice is going to save me. Make sure you understand that and make sure you're able to tell that to someone. It's the fact that not following the advice that she was shown to share this message that she was told to share with, with the world can affect your salvation. The Lord will give you success in this work, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation when it is interwoven with the practical life, when it is lived in practice, and the union of Christ for the union of Christ like work for the body and the soul. This is the true interpretation of the gospel. We read that one uh, earlier. First Samuel fifteen twenty two Behold it to better it is better to obey I mean sorry, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. John 12.32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Stubbornness is not the best way. The health message opens up an easy way to tell people that God's way is the best way. It is also an easy way to tell them that only he can change us. Only he can make us do only he can make us to want to follow his laws, whether it's the health laws or his moral laws. And when we, in humility, ask for Jesus to live his life within us, 
the Holy Spirit will supernaturally and miraculously change our desires. By beholding Christ, we become changed. It will become our second nature to do his will, and we won't even realize it. And to give you an example of that, do you remember in Matthew 25 where the sheep and the goats were separated? And he said to those on his right, the, the, the righteous, he says, you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me when you went and clothed the naked and fed the hungry. And, and they both answered the same thing. And, you know, Lord, when did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? They didn't even know that they were doing it because it was just who they were. It was their second nature. God had, so Jesus is describing to us what God's people will be like in the last days. They didn't even realize that they were doing his bidding all throughout their whole day, whatever it was. It's just who they were, and that's the character of, of God in us. If I uh, go back here a second, forks over knives. I want to talk about that a little bit. I was really happy when that came out because it gave a scientific uh, proof of what our Adventist health message was and did. But if you give a forks over knives to somebody and you don't tell them about the spiritual aspect, what are, are it's, it's okay because you're not hurting them, but you're just making a healthy sinner. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the only benefit of that is that hopefully if they take the science and run with it, then maybe because their minds are clear, then maybe some other Adventist somewhere else down the road will then give them the message. But you know what? You might be the only one they ever see and they ever hear. So I change when I now, so I probably bought 60 of these to loan out to patients. But now I tell them, you know what this does? You know what this does? This just proves what the Bible says. And I take them through a little bit of, and I, so I start planting seeds before I even give it to them. And I tell them, and I walk them through the beginning, and I say to, uh, one of the things I point out is the law, the law of health is, is ongoing. And this was given to us way back before there was ever a Jew. Because they think that you're just following the Jewish laws in Leviticus when you don't eat pork or something like that, right? And so I just remind them that, do you remember back in Sunday school when you sang the song, uh, the animals came two by two to the ark? And they're like, yeah, yeah, because I'm in the Bible Belt, so that most of them know that. I'm like, well, go back and read it because the, the animals came two by two of the unclean and seven by seven for the clean. And I said, that was hundreds and hundreds of years before there was ever a Jew. So obviously God made a distinction between what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat before 
he spoon-fed it to the Israelites in the desert. Okay? And so that gets them thinking that, oh, that's true. So then I, and I'm like, and, and, and oh, you know the creation story. When was the Sabbath instituted? Because that's the next thing. Oh, you're keeping the Jewish Sabbath. And I'm like, no. When was it instituted? Oh, creation. Yeah. Like that was hundreds and hundreds of years before there was ever a Jew as well. So that means that's not a Jewish thing either. That means just Jesus re repeated that to them. And then I said, if you continue, let's just logically look through the Bible and all of this and look at Daniel. And I tell them, look, read the first couple of chapters in Daniel and you'll have a health study that was done. And by the end of three years, three and a half years, Daniel and his friends were ten times wiser than any of the other wise men in Babylon. And all they ate was vegetables and water to drink. And I'm like, so there's a health study right there. And, and it, I, I plant, you know, based on who they are and, and, and whatnot, there's these little things like that that you can plant in there. And, and so I'm saying, so I love forks over knives. And I love lots of them. There's lots of them on the market now. And I'm like, but, but all it's showing is that God's way is the best way. And it's pointing in a scientific way how accurate the Bible is. And these are the seeds that I plant in their mind. So when they sit there and they watch Forks Over Knives and they see all the evidence and everything, then they, when they read their Bible, then it'll be like you know, all those things will come to their memory. Hopefully with the Holy Spirit working on them. And there's a little ways you can do that that um, get them thinking. But the power, so Hebrews 4.15 talks about Jesus. It says, for we have not we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Philippians 2, 5, and 8, 5 to 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Hebrews 2.16-18 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Succor means to aid and help. And reconciliation, you know, when you sin, we are separated from God when we sin. And so atonement is at one meant and so it brings us back in harmony with god that is reconciling us back to god second corinthians 5 17 to 21 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new now all things are of god who has reconciled us through us to himself through jesus christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is 
that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That's a promise. That's not a threat. That's a promise. And so when God writes on our hearts the Ten Commandments, those are promises. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way. But he says, you give my heart, give, give your heart to me, and I will, I will put my law in your heart. So, and I promise you, if you let me do this, I promise you that you will have no other gods before me. And I promise you that you won't take my name in vain. And I promise you that you will keep the Sabbath, not commit adultery. You won't steal, you won't kill, you won't murder, you, you'll, you'll, these Ten Commandments are promises to, to us if we look at it in the right way. People look at the Ten Commandments and they, they have this picture of, oh, God is so stern and He's so... Uh, this is Satan's argument. And it's not. These are promises. And they're for our protection. Um, I'm going to go forward here a little bit. I have a lot of good quotes, but... Uh, this one is one that I wanted to bring out. Three selected messages, 128. This strength is, this strength it is, the privilege of all the tempted ones of earth to have. Christ's experience is for our benefit. His example is overcoming appetite, points out, or his example in overcoming appetite when he was tempted, points out the way for those to overcome who would be his followers. And I want to talk about that for just a second. We've got about 10 minutes left. We're supposed to end at 4.10. When Christ was in the wilderness and he was tempted, he, was, uh, he wasn't tempted to, to necessarily just make this bread so he could eat it. It was a little bit more than that. It was a temptation for him to use his own power for himself. But he had laid aside his divinity. He had put that aside. He'd humbled himself and became a man. And he never used his divinity power to help himself. And so Satan, what Satan was, remember what Satan's lie was, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. He's trying this on Jesus himself. And Jesus answered from Scripture. That was his response. He, he, didn't do what he wanted to do, and you know, physically, he he did. He based it on not um, follow your heart. He didn't do that. He based it on follow the Bible. Make sense? And so that's that's. It was a little bit deeper than just being hungry. So this right hand of the medical missionary work is to open doors. Medical missionary, page two thirty eight. This is the part the medical missionary work is to act. It is to largely prepare the way for the reception of the truth for this time. 
medical missionary work is the right hand of the gospel. It is necessary to the advancement of the cause of God. As through it, men and women are led to see the importance of right habits of living, saving the power of the truth will be made known. Every city is to be entered by workers trained to do medical missionary work. Medical missionary work brings to humanity the gospel of release from suffering. We read that one earlier. Christ, in Nine Testimonies, page 16, Christ is no longer in this world in person to go through our cities and towns and villages healing the sick. But he has commissioned us to carry forward the medical missionary work that he began. So I wanted to emphasize here a little bit um, this power aspect of the gospel too. And, and earlier today we heard other lectures that talk about how the this in no way should ever be um, divorced. Medical missionary work is in no case to be divorced from the gospel ministry. Councils on Health, page 2524. And the worst evil can be placed there, as was mentioned in another lecture earlier. Okay, so three selected messages, page 129. He came into our world to maintain a pure, sinless character and to refute Satan's lie that it was not possible for human beings to keep the law of God. Christ came to live the law in his human character in just the way in which all may do that live the law in human nature if they will do as Christ was doing. I'm going to leave that one on the screen for a little bit so you can look at that. Is there, have you, does, does this lie, because she's calling it Satan's lie, and the lie is that it is not possible for human beings to keep the law of God. That what she is calling a lie is a gospel that is going through the Seventh Adventist Church right now. Okay, so if 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 this rings a bell, let me let me see if this rings a bell to you. There are two gospels in the in the world today. There is the evangelical gospel that says we are sinners in need of a Savior, and we're going to keep on sinning until the Lord comes. And if I'm ever perfect then that will be when I'm in heaven. That's one gospel. That's the evangelical gospel. There's another gospel, the everlasting gospel, okay, that says, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And Jesus will come into my heart and actually change my wants and desires to be like Him in character and change me so that when He comes, I will see Him as He is and I will be like him. Does that mean that you're not a sinner? No. It does not mean you're not a sinner. Okay, All have sinned and come short from the glory of God. And our righteousness is as filthy rags. But Jesus, okay, except for Jesus. He was, he was the only one that was a man, and he was not. He did not sin. Okay, So this lie right here, don't be swept up by this gospel even in the Seventh Adventist Church, that is, that is saying that you can't overcome a sin in your life, like pornography or whatever it happens to be, okay? So let me, let me tell you what I tell my patients. If, I, and most, usually it's smoking, smokers, you know, my patients who smoke come in and, and I'll, I'll talk to them and give them some science and, and some of the stuff that 
David DeRose has lectured on um, about uh, blood fluidity in the brain, the hemorrheology and things like that, and what, what smoking and caffeine uh, do to our prefrontal cortex and blood limit blood flow and all that kind of stuff, and how caffeine and nicotine are synergistic and one makes you crave the other, and all this kind of stuff. And I'll tell them all that and how if they quit both, they're a lot more success, their, their success of quitting smoking is something like 400% better. If they quit both rather than just quitting smoking, they need to quit caffeine too. Things like that. So I'll talk to them all about that. And uh, of course they know all that already because every smoker knows you gotta have a cup of coffee with a cigarette or you gotta have a Mountain Dew with a cigarette. They all know this, okay? So when you tell them some science that backs it up, then you know, you've just, they know. They know this. So then I tell them, and by the way, I don't know if you believe in the Bible, and I pause. And, and they're like, yeah, I believe in the Bible. Or, no, I don't read it, or I don't know, I don't believe in it, or whatever. So, but if they do, because most of them do in the Bible Belt, so I, I say, if you believe in the Bible, and I wait for a nod or something, then I'm like, um, then you know this already too. And I tell them, you know, once in a while, you will see or you'll hear about somebody on death row that's a serial killer. And that serial killer loves to kill other people. That's, that's what they like. They enjoy murdering somebody. That's a serial killer, right? But if that serial killer turns to God and repents and asks Jesus to come into his heart or her heart, God will change the heart of the serial killer and make a heart of love. That's a miracle. And the alcoholic who repents and turns to God and says, will you come into my heart and change my wants and desires? The alcoholic will stop drinking. And a smoker if they know it's bad and they're convicted it's bad for them and they want to quit and they turn to God, I, remind, I just tell them, don't forget who you're connecting to. You're connecting to a God who can breathe out and speak and there's a giraffe. Or you're, you're going to speak out and there's the stars, a star, a universe. You're connecting with a power that is so strong that it can change a serial killer's heart on death row to love somebody? Don't think that he can't take away your desire for smoking if you are giving it to him. Now you might have to give it to him every single day for two months or however long. But don't forget to, to connect them to the power of the change. And so even when I hand somebody a forks over knives and just talking about diabetic reversal or whatever, I look at them and I'm like, guess what? I say, what I'm, what I'm recommending for you is the hardest thing that you will ever do in your life. And you can't do it. Because what I'm telling you is changing the wants and desires of your heart. And the Bible says... Can a leopard change its spots? Can an Ethiopian change its skin? No. That's who they are. But God has the power to change your wants and desires. 
And he will, the Bible says that he will create in us new creatures with new desires and a new heart. And when he does that, and you're connecting your patient to that power, you're reminding them that they, are, they have hope now. Okay? So, this is, this is uh, kind of a lie here, and that's why Ellen White talks quite a bit about this. And, um, but the second part here where it says if they will do what Christ is doing, every day when we live our lives, we are to be doing what Jesus did. And he was in commune with, in, in prayer with God the Father all day long. He didn't use his supernatural power to resist temptation. He laid aside his divinity and he didn't use it on himself. So he relied on the Heavenly Father to resist temptation and what he learned in the Bible. And that's what we're to do. And so the health message helps us when you when you show them in diabetes undone or whatever within one week of following the health laws that are in the bible and god's way is the best way and all of a sudden they don't have diabetes in in a week or two then they're like oh well then maybe god will change the other aspects of my heart and then uh i'm more open to the gospel so the the adventist health message is more, in my opinion, than just the right arm that breaks down barriers. It actually shows you the power of God to change a heart because that's their wants and desires of their heart. And then they'll, uh, let, they're more likely to let, it, let God do that in other aspects of their life, which was mentioned earlier today too. So we are out of time. And uh, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings and for this opportunity that we've had to Reflect on the message that you gave uh, your messenger to give us for the last days. We realize that we're living right in the last times and we have so many times wasted um, our opportunities and our, wasted our time and money. And um, we ask for forgiveness for that and we ask that you will renew our hearts and renew our energies and give us the fervor to serve you in everything that we do and glorify you and all. And Come soon. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.